This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Mom Room. Guys, it's almost September, and you know what that means. School is starting soon. We almost made it, guys. It's almost time for life to resume as per usual. For me, anyways. I don't know what everyone else's situation is, but I cannot wait to be back into a routine. I feel like I'm just running around like a chicken with its head cut off. That saying is kind of gross. But anyways, today I'm talking to someone that you probably know. You probably see her content. If you share your kids online, it might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I know for me it does. And I'm constantly going back and forth. Do I stop showing Milo completely on all my platforms? Do I not show his face? Like I'm so, this is one of those gray area things, or maybe to you it's not a gray area and it is black and white. I'm not sure. Everybody has their own opinion on the topic of putting your children on social media. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I can see the benefit, like There's a difference between having your kids on there every now and then versus you run an account that is all your children's content. And even then, I struggle with what's right, what's wrong. Like the world is so revolved around social media nowadays. And I know Brittany Ostafi, she's going to be part of the book club. Woo woo. She just posted on her Instagram that her nine-year-old has an Instagram account now, but they are monitoring it closely. She's only allowed to use it when they are with her. It's private, but she just loves creating dance videos. And so they don't want to take that away from her, you know, like I can see both sides. Anyways, my guest today, her account name on TikTok and on Instagram is Mom Uncharted. You have probably seen her videos many times. Obviously, there is a very dark side to having your children on social media, but there are also a lot of opportunities that can come from it and benefits and I just don't know where I stand. I've had this conversation with a few guests and they have made the argument for each side. I feel like social media is so new. It's just all confusing. Her tagline on Instagram is exploring generation shared, which that perfectly describes our generation. We overshare everything. So she is out here challenging the norm of parental oversharing and child exploitation online. So we have a lovely conversation for you today. So without further ado, please welcome Sarah to the Mom Room podcast and also leave some comments on the Instagram account. Let me know what your thoughts are because I'm, again, I'm stuck somewhere in the middle. But anyways, let's get to the conversation. 
All right. So I told you before I pressed record, I love this topic. What do you describe this topic as? Sharenting? That's that's a word that I first heard. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I usually say like, public oversharing, parental public oversharing, because sometimes if you say sharenting, people are like, what's that? WTF, right? You know, parental public oversharing, child exploitation and minor safety are kind of like the three topics I discuss. Okay. Does that area have anything to do with your everyday life? Like what you do as like a day job or what you studied in school? Absolutely not. As I say, I'm just an opinionated mom of two who just kind of noticed the trajectory of something online and thought like, hey, does anyone else feel this way? Does anyone else feel this is getting a little weird? So I thought I would kind of ask the masses. It all kind of happened randomly. I was at home during the pandemic and had an opinion and downloaded TikTok and started talking. So I, when did I get Facebook? I think I was in university. My second year university is when Facebook came to Canada. So I never, and you never grew up with social media as children. I was already, how old are you? I think I was 19, 20. I just turned 38. So again, I just turned like 38 pretty- too. I'm telling you, Renee, we're like pretty the same. on the same. So I got mine Facebook when I was 21 years old. So like technically a legally adult. And so everything that I posted, I kind of got to take full ownership of. That's on me, right? Whereas a lot of what's happening to kids online, like they're unknowing, they're unwilling. They have no idea what's happening, right? So I feel... Like we got to make our own decisions when it came to our digital footprint. And I just feel like that's something we should grant our children. You said you downloaded TikTok in quarantine, which I feel like a lot of us did. These thoughts and opinions about children being on social media, is it something that you thought previous to downloading TikTok? Like, had you always kind of, even like back in the day when Facebook was really like you were following just friends and family and it wasn't this massive beast that it is now, like, had you started to have thoughts about that and opinions or was it something that came on pretty quickly during quarantine? So honestly, like I became a mom in late 2017 and naturally like started to follow a lot of like influencers, right? They had babies. They seemed like they knew what to buy and what to do. And I didn't know what I was doing, right? And so I followed the mummy accounts. And as it went on, specifically in the pandemic and in quarantine and in 2020, I was kind of like, whoa, I get that we're all online more, but this is starting to make me feel uncomfortable. Like the information people are sharing, the amount of images and videos and like literally seeing children who are strangers, like their entire day was just making me feel uncomfortable. It felt like too much. And I started talking about it to my husband and my friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, good job. Like, you got a point. And my husband finally said, like, I can't, like, okay, honey, I can't talk about this. And I'm like, but isn't this interesting? Aren't you fascinated? And he's like, no, you got to take this elsewhere. And so I was like, I'll just download TikTok and take it elsewhere and start having these conversations and seeing if there's, like, like like-minded 
communities. So it it developed. It wasn't always so like blatantly in my face. I always like to remind people that I followed these people too. Like for years, I followed these people too. I saw children grow up. And then when it hits you that you were a stranger watching and potentially invested in another child's life that you have no relationship to, it's kind of weird. Isn't it weird even just to do that as an adult as well? Children aside, it's still funny that we do that with other adults. But years ago, we almost would have done the same thing with traditional celebrities, except they are not as accessible and they're not like taking us through their entire day. It is like an interesting, it's completely like flipped. It went from we're obsessed with traditional celebrities, not obsessed, but like we're very interested in their lives, but they are not accessible and their lives are not like my life. You know, it's almost like you get to peek into what someone else's life is like that's completely different from yours. Now we're so interested in people that are just like us and very mundane, mundane stuff. You know, if I put the most mundane thing up, like that's what does well. Yeah, exactly. Well, because it's it's relatable, right? Like your mundane is like my everyday mom experience, right? Like I appreciate that. And when you think about celebrities, I always go back to like Britney Spears because she was kind of like the voice of our time, right? I remember buying those In Touch Us Weekly magazines. I remember logging on to Perez Hilton to see what was the gossip of the day. And I will tell you, seeing how it has affected her and where she's at now, I do still have a pit that is like, I kind of like directly, indirectly, like was a part Indirectly. Indirectly, like I was a part of that and it doesn't feel good. And I do worry that like that's kind of what's going to happen a few years from now is a lot of people are going to have this pit in their tummy. Like I contributed to that by like following and watching and like now look at where they're at. Like that's hard. So your name on TikTok is Mom Uncharted. What does that mean? That is a great question. Well, I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't really know (laughs) what I was going to say and like how this was going to be pan out because I was always just like a follower, right? Like I followed you, but I was not like, you know, talking and commenting and messaging. I was just like kind of following, right? So I was uncharted in the world. I'm uncharted in motherhood. This whole digital world is uncharted to all of us. Like there's no handbook that tells us this is what you do and how it's going to turn out. So I just felt like we're all in uncharted territory with this. And I wanted to acknowledge that like, I also don't know, like there's no research here backing up my thoughts and my opinions, but I do feel that, you know, invading children's right to privacy and things like that is, you know, not going to be good for them. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, obviously, there's a huge range of how people share their children online. Like it ranges from nothing at all to, you know, like you said, detailing their every Every day, every mundane. (laughs) 
every single thing throughout the day. Every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to delete every single thing that Milo is on, on like TikTok, whatever, whatever. And then I don't do it. And then I'm like, I'm going to start showing him way less, which I have. But I'm always torn between, I guess it's difficult because, and people always say like, why are you sharing that you went for a run? On social media, not that I run. <laughs> I wish I wish I did. <laughs> I was like, I miss I miss that story, Renee. Yeah, yeah. I miss that story. And I feel like people share things that they're proud of, that they think are great, that they do you know what I mean? And so there's nothing we're more proud of than our children and yes. their person and their accomplishment. I get that, Renee. However, yes. as an adult, I understand that I'm also privilege to have privacy and privacy is power. And as much as my children are my world and my everything, their needs and wants and their rights trump mine. That's kind of how I look like at it, right? Like their right to privacy trumps my need to be connected or validated or share their experiences without their knowledge and consent. So at what age is, and I'm just speaking to you as if like, you know, let's say we could change the world right now and we could like implement these laws and because I'm always curious, like, okay, in a perfect world, then what would this look like and what would be in place? So, and I always compare it to child actors. So if we have a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, eight, nine, 10, 13, whatever, who is, you know, mommy, daddy, I really want to be an actor. Can you start taking me to auditions? Is that okay? And is it because there's laws somewhat in place for child actors? Like, where do we draw the line? Let's say your kid's interested in acting. They don't get any parts, but they're like, I could start a YouTube channel and just showcase my acting on there. Like, is that consent or should it just be across the board like this is not allowed? I think one of the first things that needs to happen is that like kids need protections. If these children had protections for their labor, for the income they are generating, for their privacy, and also like things like embarrassing and humiliating things, like I don't think parents should be allowed to post that stuff online. Like I've literally seen children defecating on the floor, right? Like that shouldn't be allowed. So I think these children who are being utilized as content, they do need protections under the law for the aforementioned. But I've also said, like, I'm not against people occasionally sharing their kids and their work. Like, this is your job and what you do. And occasionally, if Milo makes an appearance, to me, it's kind of like take your kid to work day, right? Like, there he is once in a while. It's the people who have turned their kids into content or the people who are like, you're going to be an actor and now they have a channel and Instagram based solely on them. And like, they just don't understand, right? It's very different now, the potential consequences and ramifications for having all of this like data and content on the internet. But I think protection similar to child actors is like number one needs to happen. Because Milo now is into YouTube kids and you 
are so smart because you told me that you deleted the app. And we have gone through phases of deleting it. But now that he's older and he can like pick his own shows and I can search a topic, it's much easier. Before it was so annoying because he wanted to change what he was watching every three seconds. And I was oh, like, I know. <laughs> that's what, yeah, exactly. So, anywho, now that I am well versed in social media and I understand like the money that can be made just from a single post when you have a following, I see these channels on YouTube that he tends to watch every now and then, and it's like family content. You can tell it's like they're just filming in their house. They make up these like superhero things. He loves the one that it's like Jurassic World, like the park rangers. It's like a dad and his little kid. And I'm like, wow, these are like as a parent, I appreciate content like that because it's very slow paced. It's educational. It's real life as opposed to like cartoons and like overstimulating but when I see the views that they have and the subscribers, I'm just like, oh my God, they must make a killing. And the problem is, is like they are making a killing, but the child has no legal protections in that. So we're watching an episode. Well, how long did that take to make? How many takes did it take to do that? Was that child doing that all day because I think you would agree influencing is work, right? What they are doing is work. That is labor. They don't have rules for breaks and things like that that child actors do. And there's nowhere that says like, you know, parents have to stash, you know, 20% away in a trust or something like that. Now, are some parents doing that? I'm sure. I'm sure people, I hear the college argument all the time, right? But I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are just using that money on their you know, necessities, their lifestyle. And these kids are going to learn later in life that their parents made millions and they got like college paid for for four years, right? Like if you've heard the talk about the Duggar show, right? The shiny happy people on Amazon right now, they're claiming that the Duggars made almost $18 million off that show. And one of the children in that documentary says, I was not given anything for the seven years I was on. Wow. Not given a paycheck, not given a lump sum, not given anything. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. 
The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right, the quality is unmatched, you are going to love it, and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. So is reality TV not under... Because I know, like, even with the Vanderpump people that have babies, like, their babies can hardly be in scenes because there's such a small window that they're allowed that to they film. That they can be filmed. Yeah, yeah. First, I just... I will talk. I will go on a Vanderpump tangent. We got to stay away from that. <laughs> it's a big day for us, Renee. It's a big day, okay? Oh, it is a big day. No We're more, recording this on the day I, of the last reunion, so... <laughs> no more. Don't get me going. I'm already yeah. jonesing for it. But I've always tried to stick to social media. I get asked a lot about child stars and reality stars, but, like, it's so big, all of this. Even what I talk about is so big and there's such a spectrum that I really try to stick with the social media aspect, but I'm learning via, you know, this Duggar talk right now in this documentary that the reality TV stars are not as protected as I had initially thought. I thought maybe they were more like the child actors. It seems like maybe they're more kind of like these social media kids and don't have a lot of protections. Yeah, maybe once you're a certain age, you don't have the rules around filming and stuff like that. The money is interesting, like when you think about it. The money is very interesting. And like I, you know, you're probably more familiar with contracts and brand deals and stuff like that. I don't know if these kids' names are ever like legally written into a contract that like they must appear and then they get a lump sum. I haven't seen contracts like that, really. It's kind of like, you know, the parents know that the kids are supposed to be in there, but like they're not legally like written in named for anything or have any monetary allowance in that contract or anything like that. And that's very interesting to me. 
It is interesting because when I started to get a lot of partnerships, I would naturally just like have Milo in content that was very like the product was something that we use like for him. I was like, yeah, it just makes sense that he would be in it. And then I started to think about that. And I was like, oh, my God, like he's technically in this content that I'm being paid for. Like, how does this work? Like, he has a little bank account. Like, do I go back and like put money in his little bank account? Well, exactly. Right. And you're and you're like occasionally like I would put you in the occasional sharing of your child. There are children who like they're making all the money. They're the only reason why their family are pop. They're the stars. Right. And so what does that mean? Right. Like in Hollywood, they have the Coogan law. And that I think is only 10% put away in a trust. And with the level of money (laughs) being generated, like 10% is not all right. And I actually talked because I think people would be surprised. I talked to some of the people who I I would say, you know, are exploiting their kids. They see it differently. But we've had very productive conversations. And a lot of them like my content and have learned things. And I was talking to one of them and they said, well, think of it like she agreed that these kids deserve more like the Hollywood kids. And she was like, well, say you and me went and, you know, did something together. Would we split it 50-50? Yeah. We would, right? Adults would split income 50-50 if you're on a partnership, podcast, anything. But these kids aren't getting 50-50. Some of them are getting nothing. And this is coming from a mom who has like kidfluencers. Do you listen to Call Her Daddy ever? Occasionally, depending on the guest. Yeah, so I listened to the one with Cole Sprouse. So he was one of the kids on Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Did you watch that? I didn't watch like Zach and Cody, but I listened to some of the podcasts. Yeah. Oh, okay. I used to love that show. But and then I also love Josh Peck. He was on the Josh and whatever I forget Josh and Drake and Josh show on like Nickelodeon. So there's all these child actors who were on these major TV shows who then are doing interviews or writing books now. And then you actually come to find out that. They were, you know, 1920 with zero dollars. It's so common. They didn't have a high school life. They didn't have a childhood. They worked like day in, day out. Never. And then you're 20 and you're broke. And their parents put the pressure on them, right? Like they talk about how they knew that they were the ones who had to work to pay the bills, right? And what pressure does that put on people. Like there was an article in Teen Vogue recently by Fortessa Latafi, and she interviewed somebody who went by Claire. And Claire, daughter of a YouTube vlogging family, said that like her parents have said things to her like, well, if you stop, then I guess we're going to have to move. Or like, if you stop, like, I guess we're going to have to like return this car or things like that. And that's scary, right? It's almost like You know, to think that parents would be out there like kind of blackmailing their children to create content is very worrisome, very concerning. You talked about a documentary. I saw your TikTok the other day and I tried to watch it yesterday. I can't freaking find it in Canada. It's called The Age of Influence. Yeah, on Hulu. I know it's tough to find. Um, My husband is a techie, so he's been working on it. But why I know about it is because I was filmed for it. 
So oh, I might be in amazing. it. Amazing. And you don't know for sure? I don't I don't know for sure. Like I like they flew me out and I was filmed for it, but like I haven't seen a clip of me and like no one said like you made it. So I'm <laughs> so I might be talking about it and not even like have a clip. Oh my god, in I the must show, but I might be it. in it. I might be in it, but... So what is it about? It's a six-part documentary series, but the one that I am featured in is about, you know, family vloggers and when it's bad, it can be bad. There was a YouTube channel called Fantastic Adventures run by mother Michelle Hobson. She had adopted seven children and was using them as content in these, you know, family vlogging videos, they amassed like, I think like almost a million subscribers, millions of views. She was abusing her children the entire time. I saw a preview and they were saying that she had pulled them from school, like they weren't even going to school. Pulled them from school to create content. And you honestly, like, there's quite a few family vloggers who don't have their children in school for whatever reason. But one might assume because it's easier to create content when your kids are around all the time. But she pulled them from school, very secretive household, and like the the accusations of abuse are truly horrific. Did she have a partner? Like or was she by herself, single mom? By herself. Single mom. Seven she adopted jail? kids. She died in jail. Oh. She was in jail and then she died in jail and the children got rehomed. It's a really awful story, but it goes back to like protections for these children, right? Like this happened on an account that had almost a million followers and the outside looked pretty and perfect and fun and the kids were laughing and joking, but on the inside, they were dealing with horrific abuse. That is truly terrifying. If that doesn't see, say that like protections need to be put in place, like I don't know what else does. It's crazy. And I feel like the, obviously there's always been YouTube and maybe I'm just unfamiliar because I'm not a YouTube consumer at all. I just see kind of what Milo puts on every now and then. But I feel like a lot of this exploded, especially with TikTok. Oh, I would, well, this is when it kind of hit my radar, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't know so much of what I talk about Renee, I didn't know. Like, I was just hopping on to be, like, thinking about, like, the isolated Instagram influencers. Like, hey, this is weird. I'm, like, seeing a lot of these kids. And, like, I know about their medical conditions. And, like, I'm seeing them in what I would perceive as inappropriate content. And anyone else think this was weird? I was just talking about my little influencer Instagram mummy world. And then when I started clicking around on YouTube and family vloggers, and then the family vloggers would have a kid and have a whole account and channel for them. And then going down, it was, it has become one of the deepest, darkest, weirdest rabbit holes I have ever found myself in. And I just stumbled upon it and thought like, if I don't know, other people don't know. So maybe I should share. And like, now we're here and people are talking about this. Like I was just featured in the Wall Street Journal today because oh. I am talking about this, right? So like, I feel like finally it's starting to, people are starting to hear that we have a problem. There is a problem and we need to talk about it. It shouldn't be a sensitive subject. Like you were saying, like I 
was kind of like controversial on TikTok for talking about things that were like not controversial, but it kind of is. This is especially because you're basically saying like parents, what you're doing is wrong. And nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. And I really try like over the past year and a half, I've been talking about this. I've definitely changed my approach a few times. I've tried things and been like, oh, no, that's a little ick. And it's really hard because at the beginning, a lot of people were like, you're mom shaming, you're mom shaming, which I think is a completely overused term in this day and age. But it's not, a. I never want to come across that. I just want to prevent present educational and informative, you know, material that makes people and parents reflect and have like their own aha moment. I get messages every single day from the average parent as well as massive, you know, creators on platforms saying that like, wow, like your videos have made me think. I never thought about it like that. I've privated. I'm removing my kids. Like, I just want to have parents have their own like eyes open moment, right? I don't want people to feel like attacked or bullied or anything like that. I just want kids to be the priority, not our online popularity. And it is like when I think about TikTok, so many, especially parents joined in like during the pandemic and so many accounts just exploded instantly So I can see where people are like, oh, like, oh, oh, and then they just keep doing it. And now you're making a ton of money and like your following just keeps growing and you're being presented with all these opportunities and, you know, going to all these places. Like, I understand, but I was on that path. Not that my content was centered around Milo, but seeing content like yours is what made me think because it's very easy to put out content and you're unaware of exactly the reach that that is getting because you're literally just looking at your phone, you're by yourself and you press post. You're not thinking of like the, yeah. Yes, it's hard. And I remember after I started thinking about all these things and just being more mindful of it, now I see other creators that they don't necessarily have accounts that are focused on their kids, but they do have kids that are in their accounts quite a bit. Everybody knows their kids. And it'll be like, oh, this weekend we're going to Toronto and they're tagging, you know, the the Fairmont Hotel. And I'm like, holy shit, like people know in real time that you're at this hotel with your kids who are like mini celebrities in and of themselves I don't even post hotels that I'm staying at. And I'm an adult with a a much smaller following. Well, it's interesting because like we grew up in like the beginning of all this, right? And it was like, don't talk to strangers. Like, was I on MSN or ICQ talking to strangers? Of course I was. But like, it was like the big, dark, like, oh, it's scary. Everyone be careful. And so it's interesting now as kind of like millennials, elder millennials, how many parents seem to like, have completely fallen off the like safety aspect of all of this. And like a lot of people focus on the safety and the predators. And when I came out to talk about it, I honestly was thinking mainly just about privacy and consent. That was it. Like all of the safety issues and the scary things that are happening and the parasocial relationships. Cause like, it's not just like predators, like 
People also are developing just weird, obsessive stalker parasocial relationships with creators and their kids, right? Like I've had creators tell me that like they've been called, like CPS has been called on them because they've just shared their parenting things and people don't like it. So they like, it gets so weird and wild so fast on social media that parents need to be really careful with what they're sharing. Real life ramifications and consequences, right? Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. So what are some of the ramifications or consequences that you think would be most common. Let's say you have a child whose parents have this big social media account and they are featured on it like quite a bit. And so people know where they like recognize them in public and things like that. I think the biggest thing is just privacy, right? Like these kids can't consent to having their entire existence be like monetized and commercialized, right? Without their knowledge and consent and like the longevity of the internet, the reach of the internet, the individuals who are consuming the content. Because it is naive of parents to think that everyone online is looking at your children through innocent eyes. They are not. And, you know, it used to be like one predator having access to my kids is too much. And now it's literally like worldwide, like here, take this image of my child in a bikini and do as you please, right? Like 
I, I just sometimes don't know how we got here. But I would say privacy is a big one. I think there's a level of trust, right? Like your parent is supposed to be the person you trust to keep you safe and to protect your rights. And I think a lot of children are going to feel that their trust was broken in what their parents shared online and how they were used as content. What are your thoughts on when kids are 13, 14, 15? I don't know when kids get cell phones nowadays, but them having their own social media accounts before, like what's the age of consent, like being able to so like the apps say 13, right? The apps are like, oh, you can't be here unless you're 13. However, we know that's a fallacy because like you can go and create an entire account for Milo and just write, ran my mom. And oh. then he has a whole thing. But technically 13 is the minimum age in which children should be on social media. However, based on the research coming out, I believe the age has to increase to at minimum 16. Like- we have to look at the research as it relates to tweens and teens and the detrimental things that are happening to their mental health. Like this is well documented now. So we need to create a new voluntary social norm as parents that we're no longer going to give our kids access to smartphones and social media at these young, impressionable ages. And we need to rally together as parents of classmates and teammates to say none of you are getting it and make that the norm. Otherwise, we're just going to see an increase in anxiety, depression, eating disorder, suicide ideation, suicide itself. I'm sorry I didn't trigger warn on that, but it's really scary if you look at the stats of teens' mental health right now. So we need to push that to later. I always think like adults don't do well on social media, I but know. we have the wherewithal, some of us, to recognize how it makes us feel and then make changes. You know, for me, I barely, I don't, I'm not a content consumer. I watch some people's stories, like I, you know, flip like around Mama on TikTok Uncharted. for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not a big consumer of content. And now instead of looking at my phone before bed, I read my Kindle. It's been like life changing. So good. I'm the same. Or I watch Vanderpump, you know, one, mm, one of the two. Do. <laughs> but like adults don't do well with it. So how can we expect our children who don't even have a fully developed brain, who are so impressionable, who are maybe lacking self-confidence, trying to figure out who they are as a person to be on social media? Like that terrifies me. And it Let's also terrifies it me. further. Go, you take it further and then I'll take it further. No, I was going to say it also terrifies me to because I know how I am and I would be upset if all of Milo's friends have a phone and, you know, use social media and then like I'm the one that's like you can't have this and he's left out. And it makes me also think about like when you're so strict about something, it's like the whole thing about how in you know, North America, we have these strict, like, you have to be this old to consume alcohol. Whereas in Europe, they're very, like, laissez-faire about it. And kids, they don't abuse alcohol once they turn 19 yeah, or 21, whatever it is. Yeah, they're not drinking in a field at 16, right? Exactly. Not like any of us did. I know. But. That's not common in Canada at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Bush parties? What? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what worries me about social media because I'm like, if we're so strict about it and they're like, oh, like, 
we desire this thing so much, but there's rules around it and we can't have it. Like, do you let them use it under your supervision to just, I don't know, like, I don't know the answer. So I think this is what we need to do as parents of a younger generation is we need to all say now, like, hey, our kids, when they hit like 8, 10, they're not getting smartphones, right? When they hit 13, they're not getting social media. If we all create this normal now, we can adjust what is currently happening. Because teens right now, they're 13, 14, and parents say, no, it's a big deal because that's all they are right now. There's a study that says like young teenage girls are spending an average of like seven hours on social media a day. Like that's terrifying, right? Like things need to change. And I think we as parents right now, we have the capability to have it be different by the time our kids reach that age, right? I hope that our kids, because, oh, it sounds awful, but this generation of young kids have are having their privacy violated, right? By their parents regularly, whether it be privately or publicly, right? I get stories all the time that like, oh, my parents only shared this with my aunts or my uncles and I was still upset and embarrassed by it, right? We have the ability to change and make it not so, right? So I just hope that they, and another thing, Pink and Jennifer Garner recently said that their teenagers don't have social media. And when they asked like, how do you manage that? They said, well, we just said, hey, if you provide me with information that says how social media is going to benefit you at this age, we can have a talk. But that research isn't out there. And again, they're like extremely wealthy. So it's not exactly the same. There's a lot of socioeconomic things that also go into this discussion a lot of the time. I'm going to get Milo a nice flip phone. Oh, flip phones are making a comeback, man. There was a whole New York Times piece on flip phones making a comeback. But the other thing I did want to mention was in regard to like kids and hopping on when they're 13. Like imagine being a child and Googling your name when you're 13, knowing that you're like a kid of an influencer and there are like rude and mean comments about your looks and your development. There's like Reddit boards <laughs> where your parents' relationship and, you know, your development was discussed and things like this. Like these kids are going to have such a lengthy digital footprint that that is, how is that not going to affect some of them? Like aspects of potential bullying right? Like these kids can go back and find embarrassing images and incidents and things like that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just worried about the kids. Yeah. It's funny because you think about it when they're small and they don't, like they don't have access to social media, but now jump five years ahead when they're in school and their friend has a smartphone and knows that, oh, his mom is you know, a freaking podcast host or whatever, and I'm going to Google it. And yeah, I don't know how people deal with that. I don't know how people deal with it either. I guess we'll all find out. We're going to find out in soon. a few and, years. And you don't even have to be a controversial influencer. Like, you're still going to get hate and negative comments and people are going to say terrible things. And yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, you know, like some of the influencers and friends that I follow are just such wonderful, wholesome individuals and they still get shit on so hard. And like, I just can't imagine that being like a 
child, right? Like, because there are kids that have their entire, like, their own accounts. Like, I was just looking at one the other day. It's a little girl, a toddler. She's quite a little bigger. And the comments are just atrocious. And the fact that a parent is putting their child through this and that's going to be their digital footprint of being criticized for their body at toddlerdom and it's going to follow them in toddlerdom. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. You got it. (laughs) Um, And that's going to follow them. Like, are we are we giving our kids body issues and image issues like right off the jump? Right. You know, there's there's just so much to think about. I've heard you talk before. Now, this is obviously on the other end of the spectrum of sharenting. That is absolutely nuts. But I've seen you talk about things like parents setting up meet and greets with their kids, which blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Parent like parents, you know, influencers state that, you know, their two year old has been dying (laughs) to meet people. They're aunties or their uncles like I don't know it doesn't who is paying to meet a two-year-old who and what parent wants somebody who is willing to pay to meet their child around their child oh my god yeah right it doesn't it doesn't you know there's it's some of the things I have seen parents do literally blow my mind have you seen any accounts get taken down or canceled? I've seen some accounts in regard to like the girls, the young girls who are being exploited. I've seen some of them kind of hop offline and then hop online again. I'm sure if I go back, there's like one or two, but nothing's popping to my head right now. And is there, like you said, you were featured in the Wall Street Journal today. Like, do you think there is movement at any level to start to make changes? Or do you think like it's slowly starting to become a topic of conversation and hopefully that it, you know, makes its way to the legal system or? That was always like my goal was to just like get people talking about it. Like maybe as parents, if we can all agree and like voluntarily change things that it would like reach different levels. And there have been bills. There was a bill presented in Washington state, one currently in Illinois about protecting kids who are being used as content. There's a few bills, online safety acts. And and I'm talking mainly America because honestly, I'm not, I have yet to find a, Canadian account that is like exploiting their children to the level of some of the ones in the States. So everything I'm referring to is American. Some online safety acts and things like that that are currently being presented. And I think with the traction, like, you know, this Wall Street Journal article regarding Instagram and predators, it's going to get people talking and people who can make change are going to start to realize they have to make change. We're so behind on laws in the digital world in general, right? We are really playing catch up. When I, it's the same as just doing a job like I do now. It's like the wild, wild west. And yeah, it just, well, exactly. And it just can't be the wild, wild west when it involves kids. No. Right. And that's the thing. Like when it involves the kids, it just we can't have this. Right. Like I'm seeing parents selling images of their children. Like I just don't think 
that adults should be able to purchase images and videos of children. That's extremely scary. And that is, it just shouldn't happen. What are your thoughts on pageants? Garbage, garbage, yeah. garbage. Isn't that um, so strange? Like, yeah, they, well, honestly, like I've said before, like, because the dance, gymnastics, cheerleading things on Instagram and social media communities tend to be the worst as it revolves around like exploitation. And that kind of ties into like the pageants. And yeah, I don't know. Anything that you're teaching a little girl that you're, value is based on looks and aesthetics and materialism at such a young age is not okay with me. Okay, I have one quick question that I always think about when I think about this topic. Okay. So talking about kids giving consent for privacy, safety online, so on and so forth. Children that play sports that are known to be high risk for head injury, so let's say football, football, hockey, hockey, whatever it might be, should children be allowed to play those sports because there is such a high risk for injury? And are they actually able to give consent and fully understand what risk they're putting themselves at? Like, I I think about shit like this all the time. Like, that's a great question. Well, you're a parent and you should think about that. I, I come from a hockey family. So like hockey is like in our background in nature. Are my kids currently playing? Uh, no, they are not. So I understand the point. And sometimes it's like consent should be like black and white. But there are these areas where it's kind of like, ooh, I don't know. And then there's like the studies about, you know, yes, Hockey, for instance, is dangerous and head injuries and stuff like that. But then team sports and the benefits of that and the physical activity and things like that. So I completely understand why that's on your brain. And I don't know if I have a good answer. But in regard to like the kids and the consent on the Internet and stuff like that, there are literally no studies about this. Right. And like once we take away our children's privacy, we can't get it back. Right. We won't be able as much money as these vloggers make and things like that. They'll never be able to buy back the privacy that they took away from their children. Okay, my last question. What are your future plans? Do you have a day job? Do you do this full time? Like, what's your goal for the future? My goal for the future is, well, I have a podcast coming out and to continue to elevate the message in hopes that legislation can be passed. I'm mainly a stay-at-home mom with my littlest one, and this is just like a passion project, but I'm seeing that this could potentially be something. So if I can continue to talk and educate and make a change while having a little side hustle like that would be great because I am pretty passionate about the topic. But yeah, I love that. So tell people where they can find you online. And what is your podcast going to be called? The podcast looks like it's going to be called Are the Kids All Right? It's going to be 10 episodes. It should be hopefully done in the fall. And everyone can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, where I go by mum.uncharted. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Renee. I'm going to go look at flip phones now. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? 